This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to Grief Relief. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. My co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, is not with me today. It's, uh, she's taking a vacation. But I've got a wonderful guest on, uh, and she's going to be talking to us about finding strength and renewal after loss. And her name is Linda Hunt. And Linda Lawrence Hunt's 25-year-old daughter, Krista, was killed while volunteering with her husband in Bolivia. She and her husband co-founded the Krista Foundation in honor of her daughter, the Krista Foundation is a foundation for global citizenship. Linda is the author of Pilgrim Through Pilgrimage Through Loss, Pathways to Strength and Renewal After the Death of a Child. Well, Linda, welcome to our show today. Thank you, Gloria. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter, Krista, and uh, she was killed in 1998 at the age of 25, and uh, as I understand it, uh, she was... Um, helping out uh, people in Bolivia, right? Yeah, she and her husband actually signed for a, a three-year volunteer experience in Bolivia, and they were way out, about eight hours from a major city out in what's called the Campo. And uh, what they, they were there because they wanted to go into graduate school with, with international development, and their feeling was, unless you listen to people, we have no right to do public policy from America. So they decided they would go for three years. And as a mother, I thought, couldn't you do that in a year? You know, you don't want your daughter gone for three years. But they were wise on what they chose in terms of their future. But, uh, of course, as we say, she hadn't been there six months when a speeding bus plunged over a cliff. And oh. she was, her husband was thrown at the top, and he lived, um, but was injured. And she was thrown at the bottom uh, when the bus tumbled over the cliff. Wow, what a shock. I, I wondered, how, how did you find out about it? You know, uh, we have people like Ken Druck, whose daughter was killed in a bus accident in India, and and that shock of hearing and how some people hear. Uh, we've heard of airline passing people whose children were killed in airlines that actually heard on the news or, you know, that kind of thing. How did you hear? We had four friends that came to our home at 6 a.m. in the morning. Somehow Aaron was able to give people their phone numbers, or at least their name, and they found it and so that we would be told directly by a person. So we were sound asleep, guests came to the door and told us that our daughter was dead 7,000 miles away. And it was, you know, it was an enormous shock. The, the phrase that catches it best, uh, Mark Doty is a poet, and he talks about losing a friend, and he said, how could I ever have been prepared for a loss the size of you, and I'm sure many who are listening would say the same thing. We just, it's a shock. Uh, I actually use the metaphor when I'm speaking and in the book about shipwreck, um, which is, is used metaphorically when what we thought would hold falls apart, and we, uh, we think a family unit is going to be together, and we especially think we will die first as parents, not a child. So it was... Just devastating. Wow. And uh, you you brought her back to the United States. That's a complicated process in and of itself, isn't it? Absolutely. We were first told, I was horrified, we were first told that we needed to come down there. They were going to bury her in Bolivia. And the reason they were giving that was they said that um, that was kind of an American policy because 
drug runners put drugs inside caskets, and we just went ballistic over that one because it's not like you grieve in a vacuum. You know, she had grandparents, siblings, uh, friends here, and, you know, we couldn't bring everyone down there, and it wouldn't have been healing at all, and uh, we managed to get through that one finally. And so then her husband came, flew up with her casket in the airplane, and so... Uh, we were able and actually very grateful that she could be here um, because it's hard enough to lose someone that far away and then to think of them forever being there was not a thought that brought any joy to us at all, as you can imagine. It was horrifying. Absolutely. So you were able to bring her back. Uh, Then you went back fairly shortly after. How long was it that you went back to Bolivia to see the site? Sure. Well, what happened was actually her big was getting married literally one month from the day of her death, and she was supposed to be flying up and be the maid of honor. And And you'd been planning that for two years, I read. Yeah, they'd been planning it, and and we really believed it should go ahead and go forth. The wedding invitations were out, and they were very ready to be married. Unfortunately, it wasn't in our town. It was back east where she had gone to school, and so had her husband. So they had done most of the planning. So we just wanted to go and bring joy if we could best as possible, but then just right after that, a couple weeks, we were invited down by the organization she worked with to come and meet all the people she knew, and we really wanted to help Erin help close their first home, her husband. All of our family didn't want us to go because you're back on those horrible roads. Uh, That's, if you know much about developing nations, that's the biggest cause of death is traffic accidents. But we just couldn't bear to not learn about the last six months of her life. Jim and I are professors, and we work with young adults who do a lot of international travel. And you just know that when young people do service and travel, they change a lot. And we just wanted to hear. We couldn't lose the last six months of her life. So we wanted to meet the people she knew and loved. And so we were down there about probably six weeks after she died. Wow, how courageous of you to do that and go along those roads and go to the site. And I know I went to the site where Scott was killed, and um, it, it, it does—you uh, expect it to look different. You expect it to be horrendous or something, and, and it's just a site. Yeah, the ordinariness of death. I remember a young mother whose baby died who was a Korean orphan and came over to America, and she died of uh, an eye disease that would have taken probably $20 to— here in Korea at the time, and she said she remembered when she left the hospital and her baby is dead and she goes back up the highway and life is just normal. Everybody else is going on and she just wanted to scream, my baby is dead, my baby is dead, because it does, life does look normal. Um, we, when we went to the accident site, we actually were there, and in my book I talk about some people want to do that and others just can't bear to. And I think it's so important to trust yourself and to respect your own needs. But for Jim and me being there, I don't, I don't think it was helpful. That's not the right word. But it was another place to grieve. And Jim actually carved, and she was a biology major who cared a lot about trees, but he had to carve something into a tree with her name and her date of death. And Aaron had, had done a... He, her husband had actually had a cross done there, and that was at the top of the hill. But it's still, you know, you, you don't have any idea what the nightmare that was there. Right. And did you see her body? Yes, and I think it was the worst day of my entire life, Gloria. Uh, when she was brought back, now, first of all, I need to say that 
the kind of internment and the way work is done in a developing nation isn't best not usually they usually vary immediately within twenty four hours or thirty six hours and but they also have a custom where the the person is in an open casket for everybody to come see and she her injuries were primarily internal and I still remember one of the men who really uh, worked with them and just loved Kristen Aaron and he said she was drop dead gorgeous um, and I thought he doesn't realize how he's saying this but uh, <laughs> right I run but then she that was in Bolivia and then she was you know the casket several days later was flown up here and I remember when we went into the funeral parlor, and it's open, because I knew we had to see her to say goodbye. And I touched her body, and it was so cold and so hard. And nobody prepared me for this. I Literally, I just fell down on the floor wailing, because it was just this warm, beautiful... I mean, she was a beautiful young woman, beloved by people. She was beautiful inside and out. And to see this hard, cold reality at that point was almost more than, I mean, it was just a real shock. I actually, um, I was teaching the next fall, and there's a essay that my students read that actually takes place in Africa, and it talks about this woman shooting this beautiful shimmery, it's like an iguana, and shoots this, and because she wants a copy of it, and all the, all the colors go out, and that shocked her that suddenly it's a dull gray, and I'm teaching this, and I'm suddenly having flashbacks to my daughter. It was like all of the warmth that we know about the life of a person is gone, and it was just a real shock. Yeah. I think that um, the scene is believing, and one of the things that I, I saw in my son's body, too, and he was just covered in, okay. because he was burned to death, he was covered in bandages. Um, the scene and belie- is oh. believing kind of thing can help the grieving process, but I do want to say to people who did not see the body of their loved one, and I run into them all the time, and they're, they feel that other people pressured them not to, or uh, uh, maybe a, a family member said, oh, you really don't want to see it or something. I want to say to everybody, you know what? Um, you just go with what happened and don't don't regret it. It it really uh, again, it is not the experience that you thought it would be or that you missed or whatever. You did the best you could at the time, and uh, forgive people if if you feel like you didn't have the experience that you wanted with the accident side or with the person or, you know, I think forgiveness is such a key point in this whole process. Oh, it is. I actually have a chapter on one of the pathways is the pathway of forgiveness, and I think that's critical. I lost my only sibling, a brother, at almost the same age Krista was. He was 23, and we were extremely close. And I did not, I was in California teaching at the time, so I did not get to see his body. And I think you're right, there's things that just, circumstances make things happen. And also, I think one of the couples that I interviewed in my book, the it was, as the wife said, it was almost like roadkill because he was on a motorcycle on a freeway. The father had to see his body, and she had to not see his body, and both were right for them. They just had to respect each other's differences. Absolutely. I think that respecting is really important. Now, talk a little bit about your book. How many stories do you have, and, and how did you write it, and why? Okay, I, I wrote it because I was on my own quest after Krista died. I wanted to... I didn't find much. There's wonderful books on early acute grief. There's not a lot on what I call forever lo- loss and forever love. 
closure is absolutely not the right word. In fact, there's a wonderful, your readers, if they've not seen the TED Talk by Nancy Burns, who writes about closure and what she calls the rush to end grief and what it costs us. It's a wonderful book. Um, I, I needed to know how people found vibrancy and healing again, and I was fortunate to know some other parents who had lost children who I had a lot of respect for. And so I started interviewing. I have 30 interviews that are actually included in the book, and it includes um, everything from children who have died from suicide, from murder, from accidents, from you know, sudden deaths, lingering deaths. Uh, and I just wanted to learn from the parents what they found worked and what didn't work, so what gestures were healing and what gestures were hurtful. So the book is being uh, very wonderfully received also by people who want to know, what do I do to help someone else? Because not all of us lose a child, but all of us care about somebody else going through loss. And these parents were real frank uh, when they sometimes were given the wrong words, um, maybe in religious language, like, um, God wants them in heaven, or <laughs> right. they're better off where they are. One of the mothers whose son was murdered, and he'd come back alive from serving in Afghanistan, and then two weeks after he's here, he's murdered, and he's totally innocent on what happened. And when she was told, um, you know, he's in a better place, she said she wanted to scream and say, what's a better place than be with mother and right. with his friends? You know, he's 21 years old. Um but the, the interviews are very candid and uh, very helpful. And so what I did was I had pathways. I have 12 pathways that are not they're not prescriptive. They're not telling anyone how to live, but they're, they're lifting up what I learned from other parents. And then what Jim and I learned from our own, own experience uh, of what has helped. Our story is woven within the middle of this. Uh, kind of, I am a writer, and it's sort of the red thread that holds it together. But the pathways are just to suggest ways that, that could be helpful that other parents found. And then it's up to the reader to say, well, the one on forgiveness may fit for me, but, but actually the one that's, um, that's more meaningful is one on ritual or one on solitude. I actually have a chapter on solitude because I need it a lot. I'm half Norwegian, and I say that because <laughs> you like some privacy. And other people, right after solitude, I have one about seeking companions along the way, you know, that we need each other, uh, pathway of creativity or designing rituals, um, allowing time for the long season of sorrow. I think that's one of the critical ones where we don't put a timetable on it. Um, right. People and each so grief is different. So I just wanted people to hear from each other in what I call the, um, we, we live in the, in the, shelter of one another during hard, difficult times, and we can help each other. And I think I just want them to be companions to people going through grief. Wonderful. And how do they get your book? Uh, it's available, of course, uh, it's, it's available always online. Amazon has it. It's in a paperback, uh, and it's also available. You can check at any bookstore. It usually probably wouldn't. It's just come out. It might not be in, but you can order it through any bookstore because the distributors have it. And I have a blog called www.pilgrimagethroughloss.com. That's the title of the book, Pilgrimage Through Loss. And on there, there's a page of ways to order the book, too. Great. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show today, Linda. And uh, thank you for all the good you're doing. And I really like the idea of that title, Pilgrimage Through Loss, and, and the realization that we do 
pilgrim along through it and that we do get through it. And you're, I think you're an example of that, that things will get better for people who have recently had a loss. And it, it is a journey and an experience, and you're not alone in that experience, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.